Lisa Velasquez is an intuitive love coach, dating and relationship expert, and ladypreneur. She is the founder of Lisa Talks Love, a holistic love style coaching company for professional women. Lisa helps passionate women align with the love they desire from a place of self-value. She has an intuitive gift for getting to the heart of the matter of what's blocking you on your love journey to help you break through unhealthy patterns, heal, and reignite your powerful, sexy self at any relationship status. Lisa attended Columbia University for a master's of arts in clinical psychology. She's a certified sex therapist, certified sexuality educator, and certified facilitator for preventing adolescent pregnancy. Her mission is to cultivate a community around the world of women who live well, date wise, and love sexy. Lisa is here today with us to enlighten us on the importance of how to learn how to love in order to truly love ourselves and others. Welcome to Sin Limites, a Latina made, not made podcast. If you're looking for a no boundaries Spanglish podcast, uniting the voices of phenomenal mujeres, then you've come to the right place. Go grab some wine, your Latina tribu, and get ready for an up-close conversation with your hosts and invited guests, where they'll be hammering out important and diverse topics, both close to our hearts and impactful in the community. Now, here are your hosts, Erica and Anna. We're live in tres, dos. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much, Erica and Anna. I'm so thrilled to be here and honored to be back with you again. And we are so thrilled to have you. So we're going to dig right in. And um, I want to share a quick backstory on why we decided to touch on this topic and discuss about who taught you how to love. So for all of those that don't know, Lisa was one of our speakers during our Envision with Confidence in December. And during her, uh, I guess, workshop, she asked the viewers, ask yourself, who taught you how to love? Mm. And I was like, mind blown. Like, she called me, Erica called me. And she was like, do you know what Lisa said? Like she said, <laughs> <laughs> that was the next the thing. Voice was so funny. Somebody left a comment and said something about, oh, I was shown love growing up. And you said taught and shown is different. And when you said that, that's when I was like, whoa, right? So I said, we need to talk about this. And kid you not, as soon as that live was over, I pulled out my phone and I text one of my exes. And all I text was, I didn't even greet him or anything. All I said was, who taught you how to love? And his immediate response was, Oh, my mother, of course, she showed me a ton of love. And I replied, I didn't ask you who showed you. I asked you who taught you. And he's like, oh, I got to I got to think about that one. And when I got that reply, it like it hit me. Because growing up, I don't recall anyone teaching me how to love. Because for me growing up, you know, love was attached to a material object. And now that my mother's older, she's trying to be affectionate. And when she gives me a kiss or gives me a hug, it doesn't feel normal. So for an ex, somebody that I was with for a very long time to not know he was taught or not how to love, 
And then I know for a fact that I don't recall anybody teaching me how to love. I was like, we need to get Lisa up on this podcast and we need to talk about being taught how to love because I'm lost. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for actually taking action with that. So I think my first question is, is there a difference between shown and taught? So what I'll start with is showing is really the doing part, the giving, right? So there's this idea we get off. We often get confused when we think that showing is teaching. So when we describe it, you just said your ex said, my mother showed me a lot of love. She did things for him. So what he meant was that she gave him a lot of love. She gave him a lot of love. And for him, receiving is love receiving affection, receiving nurturing, receiving attention. So that's what he sees. And when we talk about teaching, that's instructing, right? So think about um, a lot of the time, that the conflict there is a lot of the time we think of teaching as someone sitting you down and explaining things to you in a step-by-step process and even it being very theoretical, right? When we break those words up, but we don't realize our behaviors or how we teach people love, right? So if you see your mother sacrificing a lot for you in the name of love, that's something, and she doesn't say to do those things, but she does them in front of you consistently, you're gonna take that on as when I'm a mom, I'm supposed to self-sacrifice. I'm supposed to um, do these things for my children. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying to not do things for your children. You support and love your children without being self-sacrificing because remember how you show up for your children is what they're going to remember how to show up for themselves in addition to their own kids because it's split in half there's the part where you're nurturing your kids but does that have to deplete you does loving your children mean you have to not care for yourself so there's when did you ever see your mother because we're starting with mothers because we're going to get to fathers So we're starting with mothers and looking at Anna's faces. (laughs) Listen, I got daddy issues. How long is this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) So, oh my God, I can't wait to dig there. But I'm saying the part about looking at when did your mother, when did you see your mother or did you ever see your mother do self-care? Did you ever see your mother love herself? I feel like my mom was very high maintenance. She was the... know each other's moms and we... we yeah. can- my mom was very high maintenance. My mom was... And this is pre her remarrying my father again. So this is going back before 1992, let's say. Um, growing up, my mom was the type that she would go to the mall or the store every weekend. She would buy three outfits with matching undergarments and her hair was always done. Her nails were always done. I don't know if that was necessarily self-care or was that like overcompensate for something that she's really missing inside? Well, you know, that's something to dig deeper on with your mom. But I feel like the big part here is I don't want to say that is what it is, because what if she really just enjoyed dressing up what if that made her feel good that she I think it's too far I think it's far I think she enjoyed it but I think it also was a way of making herself feel better because the inside wasn't always there 
So my question is, when you look at the Who Taught You How to Love, you brought up your mother, um, my grandma, mm -hmm. your grandma, so the two women. Okay, so what did you see them do? Like now, I have a question. Does it have to be necessarily your parents who teach you how to love? Like, does it, can it be, or family? Like, does it have to be in childhood? Because I feel, and, and I said this to Erica when she sent me the long, she was like, who taught you how to love? And when she said it, I automatically thought of one person and it was an ex-boyfriend. It was, it was like my first real boyfriend. And I was, I was 19 when I was with him. Um, and like that, that, that was just a, an automatic answer for me. And it's because he's the first person that like loved me that like just didn't want anything in return you know like it was just like like I love you and I'm gonna do this for you and I'm gonna do that for you and and like what do you need and I was like what does this guy want like and it just it was just never I don't know like it, it was never like tit for tat you know like it's like like I've had relationships like Erica said after the fact after him I had relationships where it was very transactional right where it's like oh I'm going to give you a gift. And it's because I want, because I'm a, so you're going to take me to dinner tomorrow. <laughs> right. Right. Or, you know, I I'm going to get you a gift because I'm a lying piece of shit, you know, like, <laughs> can we, can we curse our yes, of course. Oh yeah. Sin limite, sin limite. Exactly. So it's like, that's, that's not love. That's um, convenience in, in my opinion. Right. So it's like, even though I was 19, like I remember feeling at that moment, like this is interesting. Like I've never experienced it. And that now that I'm, you know, 39, that's love without conditions. Like I'm gonna love you no matter what. You don't have to give me anything. That that to me is love. Like when when you talk about a healthy relationship, a healthy marriage, a healthy partnership, I think that's how it should be. Like not I'm going to walk all over you, right? Like uh, it has to be healthy, but I'm going to love you because of who you are. I'm going to love you despite you being annoying. I'm going to love you despite you not doing the dishes. I'm going to like, it's a loves with love without conditions. I think as kids, we're not taught that that's what love is. So I love that. And what I heard you say was that the first time I ever experienced healthy love, so the first time I ever experienced healthy romantic love, because the question stems from where did you first learn how to love? So who taught you how to love? So you've gotten to a place where you're like, I know what love really is. I don't operate from the old paradigm. So the question is to get you to look at is the way that you're currently loving and giving and receiving love. Is that healthy for you? Is that supporting you? Is that, you know, helping you connect with the aligned love that you truly want for yourself? So the reason why I go into those dynamics is because they become unconscious. And you, Erika was sharing that she was not able to receive affection because her mother wasn't giving of those affections. And by practicing the gift giving consistently, showing that love, that's what taught Erika that that was love. That when the hugging and the kissing came, she was like, I don't want to receive that because you said your father was sharing that affection with your mother and she still didn't want to receive it. So you took that as, oh, I'm not- It was awkward. It was awkward. But it was also like, I don't think I'm supposed to receive love from men like that because she wasn't feeling safe to receive it 
And she also didn't give you love in that way. And at, since you are a woman, that's how you received it. You were like, oh, my mom is the one I'm going to take the information from, not my dad. I'm going to take it from my mom. And it can go either way. But that's why I get specific with that. Because once you know that, you start to see what patterns you're reliving in your love life. You know, um, and that's something to really consider. And the one of the questions that you asked, and I know we'll get to it, but I always think about how women in our culture and Latina culture are, con are conditioned to be overgivers, right? Um, to be overgivers and self-sacrificing. And, you know, although we have these amazing strengths in our culture that we're community oriented, we love to like come together and have a place of belonging. We, we love to be family oriented and make you feel like you're part of a legacy and we want to take care of our own. And we're great referral partners. Like we always talk about like supporting each other's Anything we, that's Latina, we want to support each other. But the one thing I want us to start understanding about a lot of the parts in our culture that don't help us is that we're conditioning or we've been conditioned through generations to be self-sacrificing. And that has us attract narcissists. That has us attract people who are not going to be giving to us. And that we they believe that it's our duty to only serve them. And we're over here like, you're being empowered, educated, boss woman, and you're in a relationship sacrificing like you work at that house with, for that man right. or that partner, right? That, that goes into like um, the dynamics of how Latino men are raised also. Like it, because they're raised to be like these little princes, right? Where we're conditioned to learn how to clean, learn sure. how to cook and do, yeah, like it, like, there are instances where like my mom is doing things for my sons and I'm like, Oh no, no, I'm raising good husbands. They're doing that. Don't they, they're bringing their plates to the kitchen. They're going to clean up after themselves. They put their things away. Like we're not, we're, I'm not raising bagos. Like I'm raising kids who, you know, men who will one day be able to, to do for themselves. But you're absolutely right. Like I, I've had my mother in several instances, look at me like, you're, you're not going to get him a plate. And I'm like, like to a, about a significant other. And I'm like, are his hands broken? Like, why, why, <laughs> why I gotta get him a plate? Like, <laughs> like no. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I mean, that topic comes up so often. Me and my sister were talking about that yesterday. And when I was in grad school, one of my classmates, when I found the five Latinas in my program, um, <laughs> we found each other. Uh, we were talking about the make him a plate conversation. And she was like, I, my aunt's trying to get me to make a plate for my boyfriend. And I'm like, that's not why he's my boyfriend. Like he doesn't need me to make him a plate. He could get up and do it himself. And it's a constant conversation that our value and our worth, and we're supposed to keep him by doing all these domestic things. And it's, it's great to be domestic and have these, I call them survival skills. You should be able to know how to take care of yourself in your home, but your partner should be able to co-create and do things with you and partner with you. And it's very unhealthy um, for us to still be in that paradigm um, where we, and I'm saying this as a whole, I'm not saying us, I'm saying that I feel like obviously we're against those things and we don't want them. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that that puts us in a position to not love ourselves, to validate ourselves through what we do for others mm -hmm. and not looking at who we are as authentic, powerful women that we're over here creating legacies in our worlds and in our families. And 
we're only seen for the, you know, our worth is determined by our domestic and sexual abilities. And I say that as in like, you know, being able to provide children and create children and being able to take care of the home and then, you know, um, being sexy and put in a different category. So there's like so many different things that are not supporting us. So I think it's really important to look at how our knowledge and the choices that we can make that are conscious and mindful can support us moving forward now by, you know, what you're doing right now, this podcast, having these, you know, challenging and courageous conversations to be able to have a healthier love life. But it's really about, like I was saying, looking at where it all started. So you got to look at what you learned at home and it didn't have to be your parents. It could have been um, a guardian. It could have been an aunt or an uncle that really impacted you. So thinking about the things that our Thea's whispers in our whisper in our ears, right? Or people, our uncles, people can say things to us to change our mindset in a positive or negative way. But it's always starting with what you saw at home because that's what you're seeing the most consistently. So for a person like myself, who realistically, I know I, I was not taught how to love. What I want to learn and what I want to teach my children, and I'm sure there is many people out there that are probably in my situation, where do we start? You start with forgiving yourself. Yes. I mean, because there's just so much that we put on ourselves as women and as people, but I'm going to speak for us women and Latinas. We just bear the burden of everything, especially in the relationships we get into. Like if it doesn't work out, the failure's on us. We could, we call it a failure. Some things are not meant to work out. Sometimes rejection is protection. You know, a lot of the time it really is. So (laughs) I really feel like you are not supposed to be in a love relationship or a dating scenario that, that has you not show up in your best self. You're not supposed to be there. Um, and you don't need to go back and erase the chalkboard and start all over again with the same person. You don't have to do that. You were there to learn something from them and you get to walk away. But you must start with forgiving yourself because you did the best you could at the time with what you had and what you learned. Right? So right. start with that and being gentle in that process because there is just so much heaviness attached to us having to have a relationship or be successful. But there's the success in your own time. You know, health takes time. It just starts with a choice. So starting to forgive yourself is one. The other thing that you already did that I love is that you reached out to someone you used to be with that you were able to speak with briefly about, you know, who taught you how to love and asking them to see where their head was. Because I think that pers- that gave you so much perspective, like, oh, he's only talking about the love he gets. So I think that's, but that int- that gave you so much insight because that made you dig deeper. So the key is to really ask who taught you. And once you get to the part where you find out who, how, like, how did they both give you love? Like, how did your father give you love in addition to how did your mother give you love? And once you look at those, you're able to look at your relationships and that's your love examples. So once you establish your love examples, this is the structure that the literal teaching structure that I give in my love breakthrough sessions that I do one-on-one with clients is that we look at all right, now that we know the love examples that you received, what is the love identity that you've developed from those examples that you saw? How do you identify when you when it comes to love? Do you call yourself names and say, I'm unlovable, or I always love it, I have to self-sacrifice when it comes to love. I'm complicated, I'm extra, I'm too much. You know, there's stories that we tell, they're, they're identities we take on. You know, I'm too fiery, or I'm too 
what are difficult, we start taking labels on. And once we decide whatever those labels are, we start telling a story based on that. Like, I can't find a relationship because I'm too difficult to deal with. Um, you know, I can't find love because men are untrustworthy and I saw them cheat and they're going to do the same thing. Like, we start creating all these stories, you know, based on... <laughs> Anna's face is just... <laughs> <laughs> listen, I could talk... <laughs> I could talk for hours on this topic. I really can. I really can. I'm I'm exactly where where you just said. I'm like, oh my God, that's where I am on my journey. Like I have figured out that my parents messed me up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's that's true. You are also your solution. You are also your solution. Yeah. Yes. No. And I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that like nobody, Erica was right. I, I have, I have been on a crazy like self-love journey in like the past like six years. Um, and it hasn't stopped. Um, and where that's where I'm at right now, where I've, I, and I read self-help books, like it's my job. Um, and I listen to the podcasts and the YouTube videos. And I, I just, I just love all that stuff. And I've realized that I didn't have an example to see, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't have a healthy home. I didn't have a healthy relationship as an example. My father and my mother were not great. So I, and I'm identifying what you said, like how, who am I in the way that I received that love? Like, that's exactly, that's exactly where I'm at. And it's like, okay, now I understand why I've had the kinds of relationships that I've had because I definitely, um, I was raised by a single mother. My father was not around. So it's like, I, like I have abandonment issues, period. So it's, it's like, ask Erica, there has never been a moment where I haven't had a boyfriend. Like, I was going to was say like, that, but I did not want to share too much because I know how she is. So I was waiting to see if she right. was going to say it first so that I could co-sign that. <laughs> yeah like ever since i was like what 14 erica knows me since i was 11 like i've i'm just i'm a boyfriend kind of girl but i think that's the thing like i think it's trying to to fill Phil? in that 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 empty yeah and i think that first of all thank you for sharing that and thank you for being very vulnerable and courageous because that's amazing to share because you sharing that really set a lot of women free because they're probably thinking, oh my God, that's me. Oh my God, that's me. Oh my God. Like people will identify with both of your stories. So your vulnerability is helping so many women. So keep that in mind. As you share, recognize like your courage is helping other people. So it's not, cause I'm saying this is I feel like somebody needs to hear this and I don't even know if it's YouTube but I feel like there's someone in the ethers that needs to hear this. Don't be ashamed of sharing things that don't work out. Don't be ashamed. Um, because things didn't turn out perfect, right? Because no one is perfect. But like I said, if something is not for you, it's gonna be removed and let it be removed. Like you're blocking your blessings in love when you hold on to someone that's not for you. Why would you, want to, why would you want to be in love with someone who doesn't love you back? Why would you wanna be with that person? So it's important to like consider those things. And you know, it's great to hear that you're consistently being on the journey and asking questions and Eddie God's being courageous jumping in now and asking, so many questions, but I, I want you to get that. If you don't do in self inquiry, you will not find out and things will not change. 
So it's about choosing to do the inner work and looking within yourself that's going to make things be different. So after you go through the part where you find out what the love story is, you've been rambling on saying to yourself a million times, because that's what's going to be consistently showing up, whatever that story is, it's important for you to look at what are you, what is it that you actually do want? Because now it's not work, you don't know. Okay. So I, I don't know. I think that I know you know what it is. And I think that you and I had this conversation over the phone when we were talking about Envision with Confidence. I've been alone for so many years. I've been a sing, it's only been me and my boys for so many years. And yes, I've had relationships in between here and there and whatever, and they haven't worked out. Um, but then now I'm like single and alone, and I'm like. I want the companionship. You know what I mean? I want the affection. I want the love, but I don't want to share my bed. <laughs> I like my personal space. And and Anna can and Anna can co-sign in this. I've always been very much of a loner. Like I even as teenagers, we would go out as friends and groups and we would have a great time. But once it was over, like I was home, locked in my room, in my bed, you, my phone, my beeper can be blowing off and I would just completely be off the face of the earth. That's just who I am. I shut off as soon as I need to shut off. And I like that place. So for me, it's like, yes, I want the companionship. I want the friendship. I want to have somebody to speak to. I want to have somebody to go to a baseball game with, um, I think that maybe you've, because of me, you've experienced people who took up too much space in your life and didn't let you breathe. It was the kind of partner you had. Maybe someone, like you said, you were doing all these things and you keep mentioning like domestic, you know, duties, duties you don't have to have for a grown man. Well, I really never did domestic because I, the first thing I say to every man I meet is I cook because I have to keep my children alive, but I hate cooking. So like, I'm not a very, I've never done for men like domestically, more of like, you know, like Anna said, like I would be the one that go and serves him the plate. I would be the one that would book him the airplane ticket, even though I know very damn well he can do it himself. I'll be the one that, you know, does all the dinner reservations or plans all the great dates. Um, you know, I'm always the one that goes the extra mile. So somewhere you learn that love is doing everything. So, cause the affection part you spoke about for a long time, but that's not the piece that's holding you back right now. I feel like you doing for another male is what's holding you back. You believing that you have to do all those things. Cause what I heard right away when you said you're doing all the dinner reservations, what I heard you say was that you are moving the chivalry from your relationship, like your relationships. He gets to do those things for you because you get to show up in your feminine energy. You get to receive, you get to relax, you get to be. So there's so many layers to what we're talking about. Yeah, so I know. I need, I need a whole session. I, I think this podcast is not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> I started talking about the feminine energy and that, that's, that's a lot of it. Bec being raised by a single mom who did everything herself me being in my feminine energy took a minute, especially if I'm divorced. I'm a single mom right now. Like, it's like having someone do things for me. It's like, wait, what are you doing? Like, I, I can do that for myself. I can take care of me, but it's, you have to let 
people do things for you. You have to let men be men. And that's and my sh- problem. I've been doing show- things for myself for so long that now it's like, you know, nobody's going to do it the way I like it done. And no one's going to do it as good as I do it. Like if I'm with somebody and I see them for two days in a row, I don't need to see you again for like two weeks. <laughs> no. Well, I will say this. So I get that part because we know the whole thing about you, the affection you like back off. You were on me for a while. Like I need some space, but then there's the art part about you being vulnerable and letting someone be close to you because I feel like that's really what's going on. If I let you too close, you're going to hurt me. But thinking about like recognizing that you said you don't want someone in your bed and it's like having someone in your bed that truly cares for you is a different feeling by ha- than having someone in your bed who's a taker. So someone that is going to be in your bed with you every night is going to be someone that gives to you. You get to have someone that is giving and kind and loving and affectionate and does know how to give you the space you need when you need it. But that space doesn't need to be two weeks from now, right? It doesn't need to be two weeks apart. It can be like, I'm going to go see Anna. You know, we're going to go to brunch. You know, I'll see you later or whatever. And we'll meet for dinner or, or that person may cook you dinner. Like you get to have someone that cooks. How about looking for that? How about being open to a man that cooks for you? And then you could go. Oh, that is one of my now older woman um, must haves is cooking abilities and carpentry after that. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Like that's like, I am done doing my own home projects. Like I'm tired. I don't know if any men are going to listen to this, but please, please learn carpentry. Like learn. (laughs) At least hang a picture on the wall. (laughs) Learn how to do stuff around the house. Cause that is so damn sexy. That is just, that's incredible. If you can cook, that's fantastic. But the house thing is, can you cook? We should say, can you build a house, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Can you build a house? Can you install my air conditioner? That's the funny <laughs> <laughs> Or do I need to continue to call TaskRabbit, right? <laughs> and I think, that, but I think the best part about that is if you decide as, a part, as partners, you know what? I'll do the cooking if you can help do this. I mean, that's more physical in the house. If there's like a balance there for both of you, because someone may hate laundry and someone may love cooking and someone may love laundry and hate cooking. So if you guys can come together on that, that would be a great thing too. So thinking about that in your partnerships, it's going to make you feel empowered because there's no self-sacrificing. So I think that thinking about how can I show up honoring my boundaries in my relationships and when I'm dating. Um, and I know you have a whole bunch of questions around that, but I, I, I was yeah, thinking- and, and now that you just said that, um, you know, many of us have been in unhealthy relationships where, where we maybe give too much. What are some ways to avoid that kind of dynamic in romantic relationships? So the first thing to do is I always say like, really get yourself love on point really find out what ha- what health what healthy habits and lifestyle practices and lifestyle and behaviors support you to love yourself. Everybody loves themselves in a different way and I said healthy habits and lifestyle choices. That could be dancing, that could be eating healthy, it could be all the things above. It could be, you know, uh, respecting your own time, making sure you sleep well, meditating, whatever that looks like for you that makes you feel like your best authentic self. 
and showing up. So when you come as that full self, your whole self to dating, because I want to start with dating because relationship is too late to be looking for those red flags. You should be looking for that when you're dating. So when you meet the person and start dating them, how do I feel about me when I am around this person? Does my joy drop around them? Does my self-love diminish? Or do I feel already full as who I am and overflowing? Because when you are with someone, when you get with them and you go on dates and when you're intimate, you feel not so good, like depleted energetically or feel like you're not being heard or the person doesn't want you to have an opinion or they snap at you or they take little digs. You want to look at, "Mm, I don't really like how I feel around this person. I'm going on these dates and showing up for a relationship. I'm emotionally invested and they're not emotionally invested. Like how long were they talking about their lives all day? Are they asking me how I'm doing? Do they care how I'm doing? Or do they only call me to go on the date and I don't hear from them otherwise? So like checking in with how they are invested in getting to know you for a relationship. And then once they're in that relationship, how they continuously show up, what does their consistency look like? So I think it's measuring like how our self-love goes up or down when we're with them. And I'm not talking about having moments of feeling nervous and scared because you're dating and they're new. You'll know the difference between I'm feeling a little nervous and insecure because I just started dating again versus like this person is making me not feel good about who I am by how they treat me and speak to me. So how they behave towards me and how they speak to me is either demeaning or like depleting. So, and, or like, it's very important to look at that because we're so excited sometimes to get the partner or start dating. They were like, no, 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 no. You have a lot of things on my list. I'll, I'll overlook this. I'll overlook that. And I noticed that when you start to overlook things that you would never want your best friend accepting in a relationship because it's not right the way she's being treated, that's a problem. And if you can't tell your most accountable friend, the friend that will hold you accountable, what you've been up to with somebody, that's not a good sign either. Like, are you hiding this interaction from the people that are going to hold you accountable because you know you deserve better? but you're just holding on because you feel like this is the opportunity that's going to validate you. This relationship is going to be the one that's going to validate my, you know, how I am in my love life, that I'm a worthy woman, which is total BS because you're worthy as you are right now. You're enough. You matter. And you're valuable right now as you are. And anyone trying to kick you off your throne, all right, of being your authentic self and respecting and honoring yourself is not someone you should be with. And you should be looking for that when you're dating, Right. And you say, I didn't see it. Well, what were you looking at? Were you just looking at the date and the restaurants and the outfit? Were you not listening to the comments? Right. And I'll add another one. What if the part where they don't want you hanging out with your friends? They don't want you taking your salsa classes. Right. They don't want you taking those heels classes where you feel real fun and sexy. They don't want you doing the things that make you feel good but because it makes them feel insecure and they want to act like you're the only thing they need. They're the only thing you need in your life to make, you know, to validate who you are when you're like, I got a whole bunch of other things that fill me up to the rim. Right. And I need to do those things for me so I can show up my whole self in this relationship. But if you don't want me to be my whole self, what the hell am I doing here? Like, those are the things to think about. 
those are red flags. When someone makes you feel one way and then also wants you to like, someone makes you not feel like your best self. They're not honoring you and supporting you to be that person as well. And they also want to take the activities away from you that make you feel good. So that's, those are big red flags to consider. Wow. (sighs) That's a whole lot. A whole lot. Very, very good. Well, Lisa, you are a treasure. We thank you for being here with us today. I think that you are the real, real when it comes to love. I'll definitely be booking my session. (laughs) I need one too. (laughs) I would love to support both of you. Let our listeners know where they can find you. Wonderful. Once again, thank you for having me on Erika. I love being part of this Latina Made Not Me platform. It's, it's truly an honor. So you can find me at Lisa Talks Love on Instagram, and you can go to my website at lisatalkslove.com. If you want to find out about any of my immediate services and events, you can go to my Instagram link at Lisa Talks Love. The link in bio will let you know everything that I'm doing, everything I'm up to, and how you can book a session with me. Um, so again, thank you so much. We love the fact that you are so real. Um, and we love having you here today. Thank you so much. I just want to say that that makes me feel great that you see me authentically and you receive it. And that's so important. You know, if I, I just feel like that's one of the biggest lessons right now, like be your authentic self and you will attract the love, right? Love can come in many dimensions and you love from community, love from the ladies. And just, I just wanted to say that. So thank you again. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Sin Limites. Stay connected with us directly through latinamadenotmade.com. You can also join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag latinamadepodcast and Instagram at latinamadenotmade. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date with all that we are doing. Hasta la próxima.